0: Thank you for joining us today for On the Road with Jesus, hosted by Rhody Fisher. As a Christian mom for over forty years and a teacher of the Bible in public schools for twenty-five years, Rhody will take you on a journey with some of her friends as they share their experiences and testimonies from their walk with Christ. You'll see that you are not alone in your search for God, your victories with Him, or your failures. Welcome to On the Road with Jesus. Now, here's your host, Rhody Fisher.
1: Let's open up in prayer. Father, we thank you and praise you for today. We ask that you would um, let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing to you. Lord, that you would direct and lead the show exactly the way you would want it to. Lord, you say the steps of a righteous man are ordered by you. So order our steps here, Lord, and we give the show to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, a few weeks ago, I had mentioned that we were doing ministry to Muslims, um, I think about 20 years ago. And so our special guest comes from that, but before I introduce him, I'd like to talk about um, some other things. Um, I think you remember; you would remember that um, a few weeks ago, I showed you some of the tracts and things that we handed out, like um, the Gospel of John and um, um, the Pathway to the Prophets, which we give out to Muslims, the Jesus film, and um, this happens to be Dreams and Visions, but also the Living Water because it has the Gospel of John, and all of that to connect with the Muslims as we're witnessing to them. But today I thought it would be a really good idea to talk about Noah, I actually thought I was going to be doing the show alone, so I had to cut my little t- talk shorter because we, when we're ministering to Muslims, we often want a point of connection with them. And sharing with some of the Muslims in the past, we would use Noah as one of the connecting points to them because in the Quran, they mention Noah in several different places. Correct me if I'm wrong, George. Um, And um, we want to have a point Noah and recognize that there was a flood. I think their flood is a little bit different than our flood. I don't think they think it's global. But anyhow, it's really a starting point to have a connection with our Muslim friends. So today we're going to start in um, talking about Noah. We're going to Genesis 6. And let me start, I'm reading from the King James. So Lord, we ask that you would give us understanding of your word. And we're going to Genesis 6, 5. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and the beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made him. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So I wanted to take that particular group of scriptures and talk about Noah. Um, There's a couple of things that I wanted to mention about that. And one is, um, well, obviously going further, which I didn't read, everybody knows the story of Noah and the ark. So he built the ark. Noah built the ark. It took him 120 years to build the ark. And I also thought it was kind of interesting. It took him 120 years. And for some Jewish scholars, they think one generation is 120 years. Some people think it's 70 years. Some people think it's 80 years. But it's interesting that Noah took 120 years and say that that is one generation because Methuselah and, you know, some of the other people, that Adam, you know, they lived over 900 years. So 120 years back in Noah's days, being one generation, isn't surprising. But it took him 120 years to build the ark. Um, And then everything on the earth, God was saying, was going to be destroyed other than, of course, what was in the ark. But I do want to concentrate on two things about these scriptures one is how it says that God repenteth um, in two different places. It says God repenteth that he created man, and it grieved him that he created man. And, you know, thus he was going to destroy everything on earth because of God's evilness. I mean, because of man's evilness. But I started looking at different in, translations about repenteth, and I saw that some of the translations said, sorry, God was sorry that he created man. Some of them, some said that um, he was regretful that he created man. And I kept searching for other things because when I read repenteth or sorrowful or he's sorry, to me it implies that he, an all-knowing God, did something wrong. You know, when you repent, you kind of did something wrong. Or when you apologize or you're sorry about something, it implies that possibly it's showing that God did something wrong. So after kind of doing some digging and not getting too far, I called my friend Carrie, that Jewish person that I had on the show a couple of times, and I said, Carrie, can you dig into... The Hebrew and see what your Hebrew Bible says in those, in, in that verse, um, six and seven. And the King James, I said, use repenteth. And he said, yes, it, it means that he comforted. It means comforted. Or, um, so God comforted himself. He knew that he created man and man was going to take off in a sinful direction he knew that about eve in the garden that she was going to um sin and so did adam and he knew that sin was going to be so overwhelming that at one point he was going to have to destroy earth he knew that but he was consoling himself he was comforting himself and i like that word better that it wasn't that he was—he knew he did something wrong. He knew that man would do this. But at this point, he was consoling himself. He was comforting himself. So anyway, I thought I'd pass that on. And the second thing that I wanted to talk about within these verses was um, the wickedness of man on the earth. And compare it to what we have today, um, the rioting, the misunderstanding that people have to say right doesn't mean right anymore it means wrong left doesn't mean left anymore it means center i mean nothing nothing is the way it used to be it is so um the the level of evilness has grown let me just say that so i want to go to second peter 3 um and kind of tie this together a little bit So um, I think I, yes, I did, I remembered to mark my Bible, yay. Um, So I'm going to go to 2 Peter 3, um, to verse 7. So it says here, and this is Peter, um, you know, Andrew's brother, Simon Peter, they call him, the one that denied Christ three times, Um, same Peter. So I want to read from verse... um, Chapter 3, verse 3, going down to verse 7. And it says here, Knowing this, that there shall come in the last days scoffers. And, you know, we think we're in the last days right now. So scoffers, walking after their own lusts and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? Like, when is he coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, All things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that was then, the world that then was, being overflowed with water, perished. So, Peter is talking about the flood here. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. So, you know, God promised not to destroy this earth with a flood again, but the next judgment will be fire. And so, I wanted to bring this up because, um, of course, we're in a really bad situation right now where, you know, men are going out uh, along their own way. And I do believe today is the day of salvation. I know for those of you that have watched the show in the past, I've always given the sinner's prayer at the end of the show. But my heart is really tugging right now for those that might have heard these words And Jesus is coming back soon, soon and very soon. He's coming back for his people. And all manner of evil is happening now. And if you haven't repented, and, you know, Noah was a person that was saying to his people of the day, repent. That was his entire message. And possibly they could have gotten on the ark with him. No one repented, except Noah and his family members were on that ark. So today is the day of salvation. If you haven't given your heart to the Lord and you would like to do that today, I'm really asking you to follow me in prayer. Today is the day for those of you that want to say this prayer with me. Um, And look, I really would like for you, if this is the first time you've done it, to mean it with your whole heart that you know that Jesus died for your sin. You'll be inviting him into your heart for the very first time. He died for your sin. He rose again on the third day and ascended into heaven bodily. So that is the God that we serve. So here goes. Dear Jesus, Forgive me for my sins, the sins of today, the sins of yesterday, and the sins of tomorrow. Come into my life, Lord Jesus, and be the God of my life. Lead me and guide me from this day forward. Help me, Lord, in my walk with you. Help me to remember to get into your word, the Bible. Lead me in the path that you would like for me to take. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you've said that prayer and you mean it with your heart, you can call this station, Hope Radio. You can go on my website, on the road with Jesus, www.on the road with Jesus. Give me your name and number and address and I will send you a Bible if you don't have one. Um, or contact me at the station and we can get that job done. So thank you for your word, Lord. Um, Thank you for giving us understanding. So um, that is the word for today. And I would like to invite my speaker for today. Um, Let me go over a little bit about um, our speaker. His name is George Saik. Um, I met George when my husband and I were preparing to go to Pakistan in the year 2000. And we were thinking that, you know, we didn't even know very much about Pakistan. We thought we had to learn about their religion, and we found out their religion was Islam. And um, someone had told me, you have to go to this bookstore on Ball Road. There's a guy there that has all different languages in the, of the Bible, tracts, and different things to hand out. And I thought I was going there not just to learn about Islam um, before going to Pakistan, but also to look for handouts so that when we went to Pakistan, we would have a better idea of what we were doing. And there I met George Saik, and I remember gathering up maybe five or six different books. And when I went to the counter to pay, he said, you know, I'm going to give this free, I'm going to give you this free, and I'll just charge you for this. And I said, George, how do you make any money if you're not going to charge me for all the books? And um, then, you know, I gladly took the books he gave me for free and also um, walked away with a bunch of material that I was going to be able to study from. But kind of halfway out the door, George said to me, rody would you like to go to the mosque with us we're going this friday and i said so what do you do at the mosque and he says well we're going to be handing out tracts and you know um different um jesus films and and maybe you'd like to go and hand things out and i didn't say to this say this to george at the time but i thought no george i've got bigger fish to fry i'm on my way to pakistan didn't I just told you that. But I said, no, I, no, no, thank you, George. And then when I got home, I thought about that because he said, you know, if you're handing out tracts here and Bibles, you're protected under the umbrella of the United States government as well as the Constitution, and you can pass these out legally. But what kind of protection will you have when you go to Pakistan? why don't you practice with us and then go? And I kept thinking about that. Anyhow, I called George, and um, I said, yes, I'll go with you. And at the time, George, I don't know if you remember, but you were on your way that Friday to to hand out tracks at the Cypress Mosque. Um, Is that right?
2: Yes. Okay, (laughs) welcome, George Saig. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me.
1: Okay, George, tell us a little bit about... Your testimony, but actually, before you do that, where you were born, how you grew up, what your family structure was like. Sure.
2: Uh, originally, uh, our background are we are Syrians uh, from Syria over a hundred years ago. Uh, what happening in Syria during the last uh, decade? was happening as well. But at that time, it was not ISIS, but it was the Turkish took over Syria, and they were persecuting Christians. Mm-hmm. Uh, many of uh, our grandparents and families, at that time, they moved Sudan, to Sudan, uh, North Sudan, what we call today. Uh, I was born in Sudan and back uh, to a Catholic family, and uh, not until uh, 1987, I was 11 years old, uh, that's when I came to know Christ. But uh, how I came to know Christ, it was because uh, uh, during that time, we were going to Islamic schools, uh, public schools, but they are pushing Islam on us.
1: Okay, let me stop you there for a minute, George, because if I recall... You told me you went to a Catholic school when you were a little kid.
2: First, the first two years. Oh, but, the first two years. Uh, yeah. Okay. The t- during the time that we came to Christ, uh, myself and my uh, parents and brothers, we were going to uh, our myself and my brothers we were going to Islamic school. Uh, but uh, during that time, they allowed my brothers, which they're around ten years older than me, uh, one of them eight, one nine years or ten years
1: so you are the youngest of four
2: yes and they allow them to go to Christian centers on Wednesday night to study Christianity and then that Christian center will send their grades to the Islamic school they will add our grades to the certificate uh, but from the first day that my brother went to the center uh, he came to know Christ as a Lord and Savior
1: and what year was that
2: George? Um, that's like 1984, 85, something like that. Okay, so your oldest brother became a Christian. Yeah, okay. and both of them around the same time. But my oldest brother, uh, that night, we can see the light in his room. It was on all night long. And uh, the next morning, uh, my mom, she saw a completely different person in him. Uh, she saw S- something that she really liked, and especially he was really handful. It was really hard uh, sometimes dealing with him, but uh, he came and apologized, and uh, just his life changed completely. And because of that change, my mother asked, "What church? That pastor, pastors? <laughs> we need to go to that church." Uh, so
1: it was a it was a visible change.
2: Yeah, immediately he was
1: change. completely a rebel, and all of a sudden he was sold out for Christ.
2: Yes. Wow. Yeah, and uh, uh, we start going that to that church, and uh, which is started by SIM, Sudan Intermission at that time. Now they call it Serve in Mission. It's an American organization. Okay. Uh, but the pastor was an Egyptian born in Sudan. His name is Pastor Alfred. Uh, pastor Alfred, he died years ago. Um, he was very young when he died. He was 45 years old, but until last second, he was preaching the gospel to the nurses, to the doctors. Wow. Uh, but what's unique about Pastor Alfred, um, uh, every individual that he led to Christ is doing a ministry somewhere in the world. He so he had them, a big calling on their lives, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Because he was not just preaching the gospel to them, but he trained them and he go out with them. He always say, shoulder to shoulder, face to face first, and shoulder to shoulder, we go to the streets and preach the gospel. And as a result, every individual that I know that came to Christ through Him is preaching the gospel somewhere.
1: Wow! So that's a real testament to the
2: power of our living God yeah. in our lives. Yeah. Um, um, but also, um, right after that, uh, three years later, uh, when we had a revival meeting in our church, and uh, it was three days revival, they started uh, talking about heaven the first day, and the last day they were ending. The end was talking. Go ahead. They were talking about hell, and that's when I came to know Christ during that time.
1: Okay, now, so you you became a Christian when you were eleven, if I recall you telling me that. And so, at eleven years old, I remember you telling me stories about being sold out for Christ and wanting to do ministry right away. Tell me about that, George. Uh,
2: yeah, one of the things that uh, we have in Sudan uh, is the Operation Mobilization, uh, OM. Uh, they are always active in doing uh, evangelism in the streets. Uh, they do book fairs. We Also, they rent big boats in the River Nile, and uh, we would do a sketch and uh, teaching the Bible while people coming and taking a trip for half an hour in the River Nile. And immediately after I came to Christ, I was involved with them, and uh, we preached gospel on the streets. And even I remember one time we took I took a team, and uh, we took gospel tracks. And down the street there was the the headquarters of the military of Sudan, and we went even there. It was during Christmas time, and uh, we say, "Oh, we want to just say Merry Christmas to you guys." And and we were giving gospel tracks to them uh, inside the military headquarters. Wow, it, it was awesome!
1: So now, right away, you felt God call, calling you to ministry. And how about your brothers? The same,
2: absolutely the same. Uh, they they also committed uh, immediately when they finished their school. They went uh, to Bible college, and both of them are pastors as well. Uh, but um, one of the things that uh, led me to be really have a heart for the Muslim people because. Right per, prior to me coming to Christ, uh, I was studying in Islamic school, as I mentioned, and I knew without a shadow of doubt, according to their teaching, there's no hope. There's no assurance of salvation. Even in the Muslim faith. In the Muslim faith. Even Abu Bakr, the first successor of Islam after Muhammad, he said, even if I put one, because Allah promised him to paradise, Allah right. gave him the promise in the Islamic teaching that he will enter heaven. But he said, even if just part of me inside heaven, I will not ex- trust Allah. I need to be fully inside heaven. He did not have that assurance to be in heaven. That's why when I came to Christ and recognized by accepting Christ as a Lord and Savior, I can guarantee without a shadow of doubt I will be in heaven if I die today. I said to myself, this is what my Muslim friends need to know. And that's what motivated me immediately to start reaching out to Muslims in the school, in the streets, wherever I go.
1: So you're telling me that you went from a Catholic school to a Muslim school and you recognized the difference between Islam and, let's just say, Christianity. And then you accept Jesus and now you're trying to lead your fellow Classmates to the Lord in a Muslim school, yes, wow, okay, so it started right away,
2: yeah, it's, immediately, but later on when it, uh I found out from my mother that uh she, before she came to Christ at that time when I was born, before I was born, she was uh, considering uh having abortion and uh, but uh
1: she, okay, so she was pregnant
2: with you, yes, and uh, she
1: was thinking. For whatever reason that she couldn't, ha- yeah. she didn't she want to go through the pregnancy, so she's thinking of having you aborted.
2: Yes, she, okay. she was not a believer, she did not recognize it's sin and, and, uh, the, but the Muslim doctor, he's the one convinced her to not have an abortion and uh, it's it just for me, I feel like well, the Lord used a Muslim uh, to save my life, to stay in this world for me, t- to use me to save Muslim lives from going to hell.
0: Interesting. That's the end of part one. Tune in next week for part two of this On the Road with Jesus episode. Thank you for being here today for On the Road with Jesus with your host, Rody Fisher. Every week, you'll hear experiences and testimonies from her and her friends as they share their journey with Jesus. You'll see that you're not alone in your search for God, your victories with Him, or your failures. If you have a question about today's show, email Rhodey Fisher at fisher at ontheroadwithjesus.com spelled R-A-H-F-I-S-H-E-R at ontheroadwithjesus.com or leave a voicemail at 951-817-0094. That's 951-817-0094. On the Road with Jesus is sponsored by Global Expressions Language Project, Learn more at asquaredlamps.org. That's the letter A, squaredlamps.org. Be sure to join us each week at this same time for more On the Road with Jesus, hosted by Rhody Fisher.